Welcome to the previously rock hounding podcast, where we explore the world of rock hounding and lapidary from the ye olden days of the 1970s and 80s through the lens of vintage issues of Rock and Gem magazine. This is episode 18. We're reading Rock and Gem magazine from December 1979. If you're a new listener here, the way this works is I read the issue, Sarah reads the issue, we don't discuss it at all, and we come together here on the podcast to share our thoughts on it. And? Well, we are closing out the 1970s here on the podcast. Almost. Almost. We'll get to that in a little bit here. But December 1979, what do you think of the world of rock and gem magazine from the 70s do you have any kind of general takeaways um i mean it's definitely very different there i don't know if rock and gem is an accurate representation of the general rock and lapidary world but there's certainly a lot of silver smithing casting that isn't done now i kind of liked seeing some trends yeah uh you know we saw the trend of turquoise and kind of going through its rise and fall a little bit Mm -hmm. uh we saw a lot of silversmithing which that was yeah it's kind of more that's not a thing that we really experience nowadays like Mm -hmm. in when you think of people that are into lapidary generally silversmithing is not at the top of the list like it certainly seemed like um we saw diamond products come full swing into existence which i was also kind of neat but yeah just generally i think reading these rock and gems has been uh, a very interesting insight into into the past mm-hmm. well we have this one left and maybe we should jump right into it and we can close out this period of time and move on to the 80s there were a number of interesting ads in this issue There was an ad from Wally Distributing Co. that I thought was really interesting. It read, Get twice the wear from sanding belts and sanding discs. This amazing new cleaning bar will clean your sanding discs and belts and give them twice the life you're getting now. They were $5.95 each. That's $19.79, which that's about $25 in today's money when you adjust for the inflation uh i have one of these things it's like a it's really like a giant rubber eraser for silicon carbide like sanding discs and belts and stuff they work amazing mm-hmm. but what i i thought uh was interesting is you can buy them right now on amazon for seven dollars for mm-hmm. a really big one mine i think it was 399 uh I, I've never, I, this seems like this might be one of the first instances of this. Um, they're, they are a great product. I would not spend 25. Well, maybe I would, I don't know. Does if it, it if really it, give you twice the life of your I, belt? I think that's actually an understatement. Um, I think it probably gives more than, more than double, easily more than double. It's foolish to not use them. So I just thought that was neat that, Usually these kind of statements that we see in the ads, they're very like, over the top, Mm -hmm. you're getting double. I would say three, four times probably. Now, I don't know if nowadays the adhesive that we have on like silicon carbide belts hold the silicon carbide better 
So using the eraser just works better. So maybe that's part of it. And back then it wasn't as good, but mm. I have no way of really knowing that. Yeah, I think this was the first time that product has been advertised. I, I noticed, made a note of it, and I was just going to ask you if I thought you had something like that. So a lot of the products don't exist anymore, like the more gimmicky, like twice the life of your whatever, mm -hmm. like, but I guess that one does. Still, though, people don't, uh, don't know about them, it seems like, and, and definitely don't use them in the same way that they used to. I, I mean, also, these belts that we use for the polishing shaping of rocks, they're far cheaper now than they used to be, so I don't know. Yeah. It definitely feels a little bit more disposable than perhaps it once was. Like, I think my cost per sanding disc for my Richardson's Ranch high-speed sander, it's something like 50 cents a disc, and I kind of just, like, chuck them when they get... They wear out. That that's the nice thing yeah. with them. I've, I haven't seen any round sanding discs for sale in this magazine, but I'm gonna assume that they're way cheaper now than they were back yeah. then. Uh, I've not really. I don't. I did note that ad, but I don't really. I didn't notice very many interesting ads. A lot of the products I kind of gloss over because they all blended together at this point. Um, there was in some ads for, I don't know, less things you wouldn't think they would be advertising for. There was an ad for Russian stone carvings. And there it was like gypsum and selenite carved things. It was like one of them was two lovebirds on a stone stump for $15. Was there a picture of it or no? No. No. There wasn't a picture. But if you look on eBay, there's a ton on eBay. So I guess it's a thing. Like... It, or it, there was some sort of factory in the Soviet Union pumping out selenite and gypsum carvings. And there you can get like two little, they're really small. They're like a couple inches, like three or four inches. Uh, they go for about $40 on eBay. So that, yeah, because they're vintage they are from the seventies. Oh, these are vintage ones. You're yeah. Talking about on no, that, okay. The I thought maybe Union. there was like no. somebody producing re no. like replicas yeah, of no. them. There's a, but there's a ton on eBay, so there must have been a huge amount in the 70s that they still exist in abundance today. There was an ad from a company that I believe we've seen this ad before. Um, it was from a tour company, and they had a really nice illustration of like a, the ad was like a miner uh, collecting rocks. You know, it's just like, like an old timey miner, old like time. like a almost like a gold miner, like a yeah, like a seventy nine er, like out in California swinging it was like a pick, a donkey behind him or something. <laughs> How we we never bring our donkey rock in. No. Um, the the ad was for geological expeditions to Mexico with monthly departures for individuals or groups. They had an incentive plan for clubs, yeah. uh, group trips to Africa, Brazil, and other parts of the world available for different organizations. Um, they gave no prices, yeah. um, because how? why would you? But it, the thing that kind of stood out to me was they have an incentive plan for clubs. What does that actually look like for them to have an... I assume like they're talking about rock clubs. Yeah. So what, would, what could that even be? What would... Like you sign up your club to go each person who signs up the club gets a little kickback 
I guess. Something like that would be the incentive? I don't know. At first I thought that just meant like group discount. But if it's a club incentive, yeah, it's got to be some type of like kickback to the club if you got 20 people. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, I've been reading a lot of old newsletters, old club newsletters. and Oh my gosh. Everybody seems so much more adventuresome back in the 70s and 80s and into the 90s than yeah. they do now. Which I was like, I can't imagine a club going on a club trip to Mexico, Africa, or Brazil. Like, now you're like, okay, we're going to go on a field trip for our club. And people are like, mm, I can't drive more than 30 minutes away from town. I know. It's ridiculous. It's rid- like, Sarah is not exaggerating right here. <laughs> uh, people like, really are, I don't know, yeah. They're just not very adventuresome. In a recent newsletter that I read, uh, there's a rock hounding location that is up in British Columbia that you have to take a boat to. So a club located in Washington State in America, everybody caravaned up there, brought their boats, and shuttled people to the location. And I'm like, I can't imagine any of the clubs that we've interacted with, people being like, Yes, let's bring the, we're going to bring the boat, we're going to set the shuttle, like, and doing all, no, like, you got to cross into Canada. Yeah, we can't even get people to drive an hour sometimes to go rock hounding, let alone flying to Africa. I mean, there are people who will go out to lots of places, but most club trips are really, like, easy picking, like, we're driving to the spot, and then you get out and you're there. They're not, take a week plus, I would assume, and fly across the continent. I would do it. If there was uh, an organization offering rock hounding trips to Africa, would you go? It seems like it'd be sketchy. That's why you go with like a like a tour guide. Uh, I mean, it's also sketchy when they do those tours to like game parks in Africa. And they're yeah. like, here's a lion right next to you. You're just sitting in a Jeep yes. taking pictures with other people taking pictures. How is that any more? I don't know. They're like, we got to drive out here to the mine. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Here we go. And then they're like yeah. poaching humans. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that that happens. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that'd be really cool if there is an organization offering those types of those types of trips. I assume there is. I've never found one. I know Bob Jackson takes people to, like, Spain. Yeah. I think he takes people to Spain. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah. We've seen a few ads for tours. Yeah. Not really a thing now. Well, we'll have to eventually look at some modern rock and gem and see if there's any tour companies being like, we'll take you to Norway, Scotland, tours around the United Kingdom. Yeah. Maybe like, there is. I would like to go to those places for rocks. Those places have amazing rocks. Hmm. Well, amazing minerals. They have amazing minerals. I only have one more ad. Do you have some no, more? No, I got two more. About? You, you, you uh, read your, what, what do you there's, got? Well, there's a couple ads in this magazine for other magazines. Um, one of which we will talk about later. But then there was a mineralogical record, which we will touch on later but then there was this other ad and it you'll have i you did you take the pictures yet you'll have to take a picture of yes. this one did you did you take a picture yeah. of this ad because it's a kitten with like a 
it's op- its mouth is open, like it's maybe it's meowing. And I think there's a gem in its mouth, mm-hmm. and it has a giant tag that says the Leverite Ledger around its neck, and then it says, "We want you." Yes. And yeah. <laughs> it is an. Should I do? You want? Should I read the ad? It was a yeah, pretty no, good, read, read pretty, the ad, read pretty the good ad, copy. And ad said, "We want you to be excited by the action-packed Rockhound Adventures stories. Be amused with the humor." Enjoy the informative rock, gem, mineral, and mining articles published quarterly in this new and exciting publication. Subscribe now, only $3 a year. Did you happen to see the one that's for sale on eBay? Yes. It did not live up to my expectations. Well, I love the artwork. So if you go to currentlyrockhounding.com slash podcast and you go to show 18, in the gallery for there, I will include what this issue looks like that is being sold on eBay for maybe, $30. Maybe I didn't look at the inside of it enough because I, I think I kind of looked at the article. Mm-hmm. That's all Li- they really had. Oh, well, I guess I didn't see what you're seeing. Well, the artwork on the cover is very cool. It's like that classic like 70s vintage style like coloration of like oranges and yellows. It looks great. I would love it. Not for $30, though. I threw a lowball offer at the eBay seller in preparation for this podcast to see if I could get a copy, and they said said no. <laughs> so no Leverite Ledger for us. Surprisingly expensive for what I'm assuming is an incredibly obscure magazine. Yeah, I, I I've seen no records of this thing anywhere. I haven't been able to find anything on like I think it's like worth 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 point um, or any type of like archives mentioning it it seemed like it probably had very small distribution at at best and i don't even know how many issues they produced yeah um also a handful of them probably some of the it was the the article titles did not draw me in and some of them were just like dnr bulletins like they didn't even have enough articles they really drew, drew me in with this kitten and then when I actually... If I'm, well, there's a cat on the cover. Oh. So. $3, though. $3 a year. Probably wouldn't have been disappointed. I have uh-huh. an ad um, that I would like to talk about. And it is for a trim saw. So trim saw being your standard six-inch style trim saw. Like many people still have today. Um... It was from Rocks Lapidary Equipment in Texas, which actually I have one of their fixtures for holding slabs. Um, it's very, very cool. I like that in their casting of aluminum, they would take those old embossed uh, label makers where it makes, you know, like prints out a type of little label mm-hmm. and it's embossed. And they would put that in the casting sand mm-hmm. so you can very obviously see, like, you know, they would put their name on it. And I'm like, oh, like it's very like low budget, mm-hmm. but like, kind of cool mm-hmm. as well um so they had a six inch saw made of cast aluminum 139 dollars and 50 cents in 1979 dollars which when you adjust it for an inflation it's 578 dollars which is almost identical to the two main competitor six inch saws today from highland park lapidary being like slightly more and uh high-tech diamond being slightly cheaper so I've always find it really interesting when the machines have like 
basically perfectly matched inflation, you know, there's always been this kind of, I guess, like narrative in the lapidary world of like, oh, it's so expensive. And I agree that these machines, the stuff can be very expensive, but it's been very expensive for decades and decades. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you do have to kind of factor in other things like our, you know, how, how have incomes kept up with it? There's a lot of stuff to kind of factor in, but yeah, I mean, the machines are pretty much the same, at least up until December 1979, as we push into the 80s, maybe we'll see that change some? Are we going to see a separation of machines tracking inflation today? I'm, I don't know. Yeah, I would think it probably follow the trend and just follow inflation. But... Well, you're going to have to keep coming back for more episodes of the previously rock hunting podcast and find out the glory hole this month which is the editor's column had a contest in it Mm -hmm. with the prize being a one-year subscription to rock and gem they showed a photo and if you could guess where the photo was taken and then like write it down and mail it to them or mail it into the editor the first person to cross the editor's desk with the correct answer would win that year subscription. Um, this is definitely not something that you could do no. today. Um, mm-hmm. It took me about one minute to find the exact location yeah. using Google. Um, right. Did I assume you also found the location? Yes. How long did it take you and how did you find it? I just use Google Lens. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, it took me a while because I was like, because the picture is them standing in front of some sort of kind of column thing and then mountains behind them. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to be like, are these the same mountains? And I couldn't tell if they looked the same. But then when I looked at what it was, I was like, well, it's obviously the same. I immediately knew that they were in California. Yes, that was um, obvious. The, yeah. They don't go much further than California. Yeah, but like the, it's that classic like Sierra's uh, background. Yeah. Do you want to explain what it is? or? I only wrote down the name. What's the name of the place? Manzanar? Yeah. It was a... It was a cemetery of a historical site near Independence, California, uh, for the like a monument and cemetery for the Japanese internment camps. Um, So, yeah, it's still there today. You can go visit it. Um, It looks very beautiful, and it looks slightly more kept up hmm. in the their photo that they had in the magazine yeah. than it does today. Yeah, there was like some trees by it mm-hmm. then, and now there doesn't seem to be any trees. I mean, they could have also just died. I don't know. Yeah, but, but you got to replant them. Yeah, but yes. <laughs> you got to keep, keep up the stuff. Uh, yeah, it's just, it, it, it reminded me a little bit of so many of the bits that are in like a show like Seinfeld, where you're like, this cannot happen today because like there's so much like, oh, uh, leaving a voice, uh, leaving a message on an mm-hmm. answering machine and you missed it. And then like, oh, because of these circumstances, 
or oh i'm gonna wait in the line for the movie and you're gonna go get like uh go over to the cafe and see if this person's there and then like ships passing in the night but now you just like yeah. text and you're yeah like when are you gonna be here i'm buying the tickets yes or you're like i already bought the tickets online yeah yes no more no more answering machines no more things like that no more figure out where this photo is taken yeah. uh when you used Google Lens to identify it, was it pop, did it pop up right away? I think so. Well, it popped up some other photos of similar, like black and white, like mm-hmm. desert with mountains behind it, but that's pretty unique looking memorial st- sculpture. After that, the maybe there was something before it, but the glory hole went. It was a little, became a little frantic fumbler-y, and I didn't really get it. Like, it was just trying to put some filler in, talking about Chickalick, chicken-flavored ice cream franchise. I didn't get that. Yeah. Was that, like, a joke? Like, a something we didn't get because we weren't around? I have no idea. 1979? What a weird filler it was just like a paragraph. Yeah. Like you can't think of anything else to say. <laughs> or it's just like an inside joke and he's like, yeah, this is funny. I'm gonna print this. Maybe, maybe. I there's a number of things with this issue where I kind of struggled a little bit with it. And the frantic fumbler this month, I kind of struggled reading it. Uh it really like the writing style. It was just like very, it's very all over the place. Like he talked about the struggles of writing his column and a jewelry class that he signed up for. But sometimes the writing style, it just, it's not like smooth, you know? It's not something, hmm, how to say it? If you were to read it out loud, it would come off as like really disjointed and. Sometimes I think when you write stuff, if you don't go back through your writings a second time, they can also sound disjointed. So I wonder, I wonder if uh, he would just like pound, pound out the column and be like, done. Yeah, there was definitely in this issue, I kind of had to look past the content in order to get something out of it because... I mean, I, there was, I found, you know, I picked out interesting things out of the articles or the columns, but it wasn't maybe the content or the intention of the article that I found interesting. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, um <clears throat> are we, are we done with glory hole? Yes. Uh, okay. Frantic Cumbler. I thought it was in, yeah, it was like, he's talking and then his like demonic being is adding its own comments after his things he says. And it, yeah, it really, it didn't, didn't really work very well. Is the frantic fumbler column actually just documenting somebody's descent into madness? Yes, maybe. What I thought was interesting was he said he, he was trying to like learn some new skills in lapidary and he was like, Well, I can I don't need to take like a community college like 
class, like I'm past that level. So he took an actual college class about jewelry making where he said he was going to class six hours a week. He had homework. And I wonder how he accessed that because we can't just go take a college class. I mean, if you're in Washington and you're over a certain age, you can audit a college class, which I don't know, like 60. Um, but I don't know how that works because if it's like a lap, a jewelry making class, normally auditing is like you sit in the back and you just like are there and you don't take the test. You don't do the, actually get a grade. So if it's a jewelry making class, I don't know if they would let you like use the equipment cause you're not paying any sort of fees. Um, but I don't think he's, was taking advantage of that perk of being a Washington resident. So, like, how did he take a jewel? First of all, do they offer jewelry making in college now? I don't know about that. Uh, but there haven't community colleges kind of shifted what they actually are over time? I mean, I don't know. I think, com- like, your community colleges back in the 70s had served slightly a different function than they do now. I mean, nowadays, yeah, people will go to community college and get like a degree, but for many people, it's a stepping stone to like a state university or uh, the the next college. Like you're getting uh, what yeah. your required classes knocked out at a fraction of the price of of fancy right. school. Uh, but my loose understanding, which might be entirely wrong, is that community colleges that were in like the 60s and 70s performed more like community function, mm-hmm. you know, like there was night classes that were not necessarily part of like a like a track to getting your bachelor's degree as much as it was, oh, you're going to go and like there's a teacher in quotations from the community and you're learning this skill hmm. that you can then utilize and maybe it's not a credited per, like thing yeah. um hmm. i don't know I, I think that kind of yeah i think that, that may, kind of makes sense kind of kind of it still um, i don't know how he was just taking a college class and like now you'd be like what you'd have to like apply to go to the college and then take a class I, I i haven't heard of any sort of program for taking a college class without being a college student it almost seems a little bit more like how ma- some maker spaces will put on classes where you just show up and you pay your money and yeah that's a thing yeah i don't know i thought that was cool yeah. okay, um, i'd love to take some college classes and have homework and in jewelry maybe not jewelry what would you take a college class in I guess maybe there I wouldn't be very motivated if it wasn't an actual skill or a credit. I would take a college class in mineral identification. I don't know if those you'd have to go to the gemological institute. <laughs> I'd take a college level class in zeolites of the Pacific Northwest. Unfortunately, I'd probably have to be the one that would be teaching it yes. because nobody cares about those. Yes. <laughs> we got one more column. We got one more column. Uh, shop talk. Investing in diamonds. I am all about investing in cheap, cheap chemical vapor deposition diamonds. I have 
more diamonds in my possession now than ever before. I just purchased about 300 carats of diamonds. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a decent amount of diamonds. Did you look at them under the microscope? No, they're all smashed into dust because they're very fine. So the way... Even under the microscope. Yeah, you're just it's like looking at dust. Oh. Like it's not, it's not uh, a thing to that much attention to i didn't really read i really skimmed the shop talk i usually do and this one seemed very irrelevant to me so i don't have much i i don't have anything to say about since they're talking about investing in diamonds it's obviously all about diamonds so the shop talk was about making your own copper diamond lap so you're spinning flat lap disc They describe the process of taking a copper disc and cutting lines in it that radiate from the center out. So like spokes on a wheel. And, you know, if you take a knife or like a box cutter and you score something, you're actually upsetting the material. You're making this groove and the material has to go somewhere and it goes up, right? Like you're making this like little trough wedge thing. They then talk about taking the diamond powder and pushing it into those little grooves and burnishing that lip over it now. So you made a trench, packed diamonds in it, and then kind of like pushed some of the upsetted copper over it. So now you're holding the diamonds in place, which is in theory would work. Um, It's something that I would like to try um, I don't know where to get like a copper plate like that, but uh, I'm sure I can find something. I think it'd be interesting to do it and see how well it actually works. I'm definitely the the reason I was talking about having a bunch of diamonds is because I've been experimenting with making my own diamond products because you can get 300 carats of diamonds, CVD diamonds, for about. 50 bucks. And since we're on the topic, to give you an idea, a cabochon machine wheel, like a six inch wheel, has about five to 10 carats of diamond. So, you know, very, very cheap. Like, you know, um, and that's modern retail prices. So they are, uh, we're back in a time period where this kind of, wide availability of diamonds had just recently really hit the market and now they're so cheap that if you make a mistake with modern diamond products it's like eh, whatever it's like i use two dollars of my diamonds but uh mm. interesting to see that's probably one of the more since we kind of already talked a little bit about some of the 70s trends i thought it was cool to start this mm-hmm. and everything's like silicon carbide corundum wheels like old tech that they've been using since like the 40s and then it's now now it's diamond time Mm -hmm. which i I, never something i really thought of Mm -hmm. that at some point we had to get we got cheap diamonds and that concludes all of the columns for this issue we do have a number of articles since this is december it is a lapidary christmas 
And as usual, <laughs> we skipped the Lapidary Christmas article because it is a bunch of ads. Yeah, it's not really an article. It's it's I, bribery. It's Yeah, it's like a roundup of things that got sent to them. A lot of them, they're like, we have this in our shop. And it's like a whole paragraph about a product and where to buy it. They never say anything bad. Yeah. This one didn't have very many pictures either. Yeah. I felt like previous years there was like pictures. There's definitely more. There was other things that weren't just like, oh, this guy sells rocks in this shop in Kansas. Here's the address. Or, oh, here's this machine that does this thing. Like there was also some more kind of out there stuff, and I didn't really see that. But I didn't read it too closely because it's kind of boring. That's pretty much what the lapidary Christmas is in every issue. It's it was, just a bunch of bunch of little mini ads. It was interesting the first time. Yeah. It's definitely After got, that, it's not. It, it hasn't little, been interesting. interesting. But we, we did have a Christmas-related do-it-yourself do article. Yeah. How to make Christmas trinkets. Yes. It's easy to build up on usual Yuletide silver jewelry. And often with these Christmas articles, they talk about the rush to get everything done in time, which this was kind of no exception. You know, get everything Mm -hmm. done in time. And it's that has always been like a common theme or trope that I've seen played out like in movies and obviously in this and Mm -hmm. elsewhere. And that has never, ever been my personal experience. I would say, I think, for Christmas gifts, I have everything picked out in October. And everything's purchased in November, for the most part. Like, I I remember growing up and you'd see, like, in the news, people waiting waiting in line, like, at uh, department stores and things. I, I never did that. Did you ever wait in line and, like, have a mad rush to get a Christmas gift? No. Or make a Christmas gift? Yeah, maybe. I feel like sometimes when I've been I've made things for you like the few days before Christmas, I'm like, <laughs> I need to be in this room with the door closed for a few hours. Well I guess But you... I don't really count that because you're always here, so I don't really if I had the time I would have done it. Well, I guess you can relate to the mad rush to get your Christmas trinkets done. Um, I cannot. But this article, pretty simple. It was a wax casting article making little tiny ornaments. Like, or I guess an ornament of like a Santa head, a wreath. Which, I mean, from the perspective of making something, I mean, seems fairly simple and uh, obtainable. Yeah, I mean, that seems like a decent gift. You make it yourself. It's unique. People can use it as an ornament, and then they just put it away with their Christmas. It's not a burden to keep. Yeah. And there's no obligation, really. I mean, well, maybe there would be an obligation if that person that gave it to you was coming over during the holidays and, like, to see it. But that's all, that's very different I would... than, like, jewelry. Yeah. I mean, the obligation is you put it on your tree for two days to one month, however long you have your tree up, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, much less than 
oh, you're going to go see, go to a party where Bob's at, and Bob gave you a necklace, so, like, you better wear that necklace. Like, yeah. Having, I like the idea of, like, a casting in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a non-jewelry wearer, I don't have much use for it. But the idea of making Christmas ornaments casted, I don't know if I would do silver because silver costs so much money nowadays. Cast them out of lead. You want to use your ultra-heavy mm-hmm. <laughs> lead Christmas ornament. Um yeah, I don't know. It's kind of kind of a fun fun little article. Um, not a whole lot of meat to that. No, Did you have any uh-uh. other comments on it? No, I mean it was. They're all kind of. All of the lost wax ones are kind of the same. Yeah, it's. Uh, you get the kind of the shape of the thing, and you do the lost wax, and there's your thing. <laughs> yeah, you're making a mold yeah. and then pouring metal yeah. into it for the most part. Right after that, though, we have a field trip. Palmwood in the Hector Hills. Somehow everyone has overlooked an easy location. I didn't like this article. Why didn't you like this article? They never told us where they were. They never, I mean, it's obvious because we read Rock and Gem, they're in California. They never said they're in California. Um, well, there's a little map. It didn't say they were in California. Did you look at the map and try to find it? Yeah. I couldn't find oh. it. So the, the map was very poorly drawn, in my opinion. The, it, yeah, so I, I agree with you, you know, there. Um, so they're talking about going and finding petrified palm wood, which mm-hmm. is not like normal petrified wood. It's got little bits in it, right? Yeah, pretty much. And then... The only photo they had was black and white, even though on, like, the next page they had color photos. So I, I had a hard time knowing. So the it's a trip that they took um, to this Palmwood deposit, like Sarah said, which is east of Barstow, California, and to the south of the Caddy Mountains. So that's, that's the orientation are. that we got here. Um, Just imagine if you were, like, Living on the East Coast, and you're like, oh, yeah, Barstow, the Caddy Mountains. And then, <laughs> like, you're going to pull out your, like, atlas and... Yeah, they could have... Well, maybe you should Maybe you should have pulled out your atlas, because unlike many other field trips that we've read, this one actually gave the range and township yes. to the site in the article. They did. I did like that. I, 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 that was the one thing that, I liked. That's good. Um, but the article... It, it kind of ended in an odd way. Yeah. Do you, did you uh, write down the oddness? No. So it read, As you glean from these gem fields, please take a moment to reflect. Envision the pioneers and their famished families and livestock. Listen carefully and you may hear the agonized whimper of a hungry dog or the cry of horror and fright of a mother with child as she faces westward in a last desperation hope. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of spooky. What? What? What is <laughs> this? Like, kind of lighthearted article about palmwood? Really was like, I, I don't forget to hear the cries of your people who came before you and their spirits haunt. Till this day. If we were out, like, digging petrified wood and I heard, like, 
an agonizing whimper of a hungry dog. Like, and there's no dogs around. Like, we can see everything. Like, we got to go. Clearly, this dig site is haunted by hungry dogs. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, it was a... There was one of the weirder uh, ends to an article. And then it said the Ranger Township at the very end. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, by the way, here's where we are. Mm-hmm. I, well, maybe I should explain what Range and Township is. Have we done that on here? Have we talked about Range and Township? Since this is 1979 and there's no GPS satellites, uh, Range and Township was the system of kind of locating on maps through uh, like your Range and Township and then sections so that you could, you know, crop, find pinpoints on maps. So... In, in theory, you would have that map for that area, and then you could be like, range, 34, township, 20, section, northeast section, and you can kind of narrow it down to within a couple hundred feet, which that's... The numbers all were different. They not, nothing overlapped. It wasn't like state by state or anything. Because all the numbers it's, are always really low. Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know how they divided it up because when I do range and township, uh, there's converters online because yeah. I go through these old publications mm-hmm. and there's converters, but you select the state. Yeah. So it must be by state because, hmm. and then you like go through yeah. and you input all the things. Um, they just yeah. never said where they were. If you were like, I want to find this range and township doesn't help you if you didn't know the state. Also, if you don't know where the Caddy mountains or Barstow I tried to find where they were, and I couldn't. Yeah. Because their map didn't have a road name. It had the Caddy Mountains listed, so you would have had to have known what the Caddy Mountains are. I didn't know exactly. Southern California. Yeah. But um. But even with Google Maps now, I'm like, I'm going to see where they are, and like their road li- wasn't mm-hmm. named, and they're like, the town of whatever is this direction, and you're like, but how many miles? Where are you <laughs> telling me to get off the free... Like, free... It was... Not the best. Very true. I agree. Now back to Christmas. Yes. How to make a mark for Christmas. A gift project for the person who has everything. And I actually really like this one. I like this, um, you know, with many of these kind of like gift idea articles. I just, in, in my opinion, it's just, often very like not something I would ever give or be into, you know, like, I don't know that we've seen some really kind of like out there, like little projects, but with this one, I did like it. I could see myself making something like this and receiving something like this and enjoying it as somebody who loves books, having a cool bookmark would be pretty fun. Yes, so it's making a bookmark, making your mark a bookmark. uh, It's pretty much a, you know, flattened piece of silver that's, I don't know, probably like an inch inch wide by six inches long, very thin, probably rolled out or just purchased like that, and then uh, soldered a bezel that they inserted a cabochon, and there's a little tassel, and that would be what you'd be 
you had a tassel. Yeah, it had a tassel. Oh. Um, they didn't really talk about it, but in the picture, in one of the pictures, it had a had a tassel. But I don't think you really need it. But I like the idea of you, oh, you you know, um, you have your book, and then there's like a cab sticking out the top, kind of a, a more fun, easy, low effort silver project on like the lost wax and all the silver. I mean, it's really like cut out a piece of silver, put a bezel on it, and slap a cab on it, and then you're like bookmark. And it had a little shape under the cab. It, had, it looked like a book under the cab in silver. And so you put the cab over it and... Did it? Yeah, I think... Yeah. I'm drawing a blank now. Yes, it did. Well, I Which either... I thought was interesting because I don't usually see a shape under a cab. It's usually just the back. Either way, I thought it was kind of a more interesting um interesting project and maybe another thing that you really wouldn't see nowadays i mean how many i don't know i feel like nobody reads yes um, people don't read like they used to let and, alone a book needing a bookmark yeah i mean i do i have an extensive collection of books i love cracking open a book if i got you one of these how would you use it with your kindle I don't think I would use it <laughs> with the Kindle. Uh, <laughs> well, the only the only issue I had with that article was the very first page was they made the bookmark from like an old. It was looked like it was as a serving knife, mm -hmm. and that was like the main picture with the article. Yeah, I know. It's like, wait, we're making this knife? No, we're ha what hammering out this knife into. A bookmark. Why not lead with the bookmark? Yeah. But yeah, you should make one next next uh, next time you see anybody sit mention they read books. Be mm. like, now I know what to get you for Christmas. I still just gotta figure out how to make this thing work with a Kindle. Um, moving right along, Franklin revisited this classic New Jersey location is a classic for fluorescent minerals. And this is an article describing the famous UV mineral locality. Um, before I share my thoughts, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, yeah, maybe you should just, well, yeah, I, I took a fair amount of notes. It was a very, it didn't really feel like it fit with the Rock and Gem articles, there was only two photos in the whole mm -hmm. thing. It was very... It was, so the author of the article had already written a book on this location. And then he was like, somebody else wrote a book about it now. And here's what's happened since I wrote my book. And that was kind of the, the gist of it. Well, um, I must say that this locality is amazing. Like... I know a decent amount as a West Coaster of this uh, New Jersey location. I know a decent amount. I would love to go there. Huge variety of uh, UV reactive minerals. They got an amazing museum. They're doing all kinds of great work there. I, uh, recently, I know that at the museum on site, they got a ramen. Uh, 
spectroscope. So they're doing Raman analysis work there now. Yeah, amazing. I would love to go there. Maybe uh, we can take a New Jersey vacation. We'll be the first people in history to take a vacation to New Jersey. Yes. Um, but one thing said in this article is there's, there is no reason to believe that the Franklin will not exceed 300 species soon and soon. The article says, <clears throat> excuse me. Also, the article says that the Franklin ore body has eight or 284 known species. Well, this I, calls into m many things into question. Uh, currently, Mindat lists the location as having 256 valid minerals, 49 uh, type locality minerals, um, and six first recorded uh, locality minerals. I thought I looked on Minda and there was 350. How did you get a different number? Well, we both can't be right. Because <laughs> I wrote that down too and I was like, oh, let me see. And then I was like, huh, 350, they were right. So I, uh, you I definitely... probably know how to use Minda better than I do. I definitely question some of, some of the things in this article um it is a location that you know it's like um I'm trying to think of other notable locations where there's been more things or that like the number expanded and then shrunk of of minerals um geez i can't think of it place in africa whatever Popular locality, I'll think of <laughs> Sueb. Sueb uh, is an example of, of that. Well, um, who knows now that uh, per, I, I was like, I don't, I'm questioning everything in this article, but you came up with different numbers. I don't than know. Me, Maybe so. I was looking at something different on Mindet. Um, he was definitely very excited about the place, and it was almost like sensationally excited. Like, I would love to go to the Franklin location. I would love it. So if you're in New Jersey and you're listening to this, you better go there and enjoy that you have something that cool. I mean, it doesn't really matter. They have like, let's just round, we'll just round, we're just going to say 300. They get like 300-ish different uh, species at this location, which is mind-blowing. Like that is, you know, uh, it lives up to the hype. Yeah, I mean, you can go there now. They do the Sterling Hill Mine has tours where mm -hmm. you go into the mine. Um, the mentioned in the article, the Franklin Augustenberg Mineralogical Society newsletter called The Picking Table, which all of them are available online. Uh, when I looked them up, the articles were very academic, serious sounding. Yeah. They weren't. Yes, they're very serious sounding. You can buy a print of their newsletter, which was basically like a 20-page magazine with like full-color photos for $10. Or you can just look at a PDF of every single one ever. Or if you're like, I only want to know about this one mineral, they had a drop-down and you could select the mineral and it'd be like, yo, mentioned in this article in this year and this issue. Here's the link. I which... love it. I love it when clubs and organizations do 
do things like that, it makes it so accessible. It's so nice to see. Yes, it's very impressive. Maybe when we finish the previously rock hounding podcast, we should do the previous rock club newsletter podcast and we just read old newsletters, good and bad. I don't know if I could get through theirs. It was like, even the titles, I was like, I don't really know what those mean, and I'm not really interested in reading that. Yeah, maybe maybe not that one. Yeah. Maybe not that one. The next article I really liked, even though it was very, very short, it was more like a little artist snippet, uh, Agate and Needlepoint. I actually uh, was following somebody on instagram i believe and she was doing this exact same thing and i was like whoa that's super cool i've never seen that before of doing needlepoint work in of like minerals and agates and stuff so uh yeah agate in needlepoint trying to capture agates wild patterns in colors keep madeline in stitches yeah <laughs> what you don't like that why not make it like an artist profile like they usually do with people who do rock stuff? They're just like, there was, it was, so it's just like, here's this lady and she does, she took, she, there's, she took one of the covers of Rock and Gem and used that as a inspiration mm -hmm. to do the needlepoint of an agate and she puts them on pillows and pillow. Do you want to explain what needlepoint is? Do we? Need to explain what it is? I don't know. Maybe people don't know what needlepoint no. is. It's uh, where you just do different stitches with needles and thread, and that's your picture. It's like you take a piece of fabric, and it's stretched tight in a frame. And usually, I think people draw something on with a pencil that you kind of, tr like, you have a design, and then you use colored thread and a needle, and you make make that and she was um, capturing but, the lines in the mm -hmm. agates and but there was only like it was like three very short like paragraphs yeah they didn't like talk to her at all there was no quote from her being like i first saw this blah 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 it looked pretty good i mean they look good yeah and it was like oh there's this many thousands of stitches per 46 inch. like it was like a piece that she did have about like forty six thousand yeah. stitches or something yeah. like, so That's like obviously she's put a lot of time into it I don't know. I was just disappointed that they, why not like. I thought they could, they should have done a lot more with it because. Yeah. Uh, agates are popular. They're colorful. And you have somebody doing kind of cool art of it, which, I mean, people still do cool, like rock and mineral themed art. I've, uh, with the help of Instagram, I've found a number of people that are doing, uh, like beautiful drawings of minerals and doing different stuff. And, you know, it, it I think things like that are really cool and, you know, to have something that's uh, kind of, I don't know. If you had a, uh, an amazing, uh, like, rock or mineral and somebody did a beautiful, like, uh, colored pencil drawing of it and then you had it and it was framed and, like, next to the thing, like, I don't know. That's, I, like, I like that type of stuff. Yeah, I thought it was cool. I wish it was a little bit more in-depth than they gave yeah. the treatment. Is this our last one? This is. Field trip. Witch in wood. You can douse for wood in Wyoming's blue forest. <sighs> <laughs> 
can was it the was the sigh conveyed here? <laughs> this is a trip report about the Blue Forest in Wyoming, which is a very notable location uh, where you can prolific, find prolific, very prolific. Yeah, a lot you know, almost there. almost every single rock show we've ever been to, in one of the display cases, somebody's got a piece from there. It is really cool. I want it's on my bucket list. So it's petrified wood and. The petrified wood kind of has like cracks in it, and those cracks have been filled with this light blue chalcedony. It varies, but like light blue to this like white, light blue kind of spectrum looks awesome. The pieces that we've seen that's cut and polished, uh, amazing. Well, this article uh, it recounts someone seeing someone else using witching rods to locate the petrified wood. And then they went on to explain the process of what that was. And then they offered to locate a log underground using the dowsing rods that were made from coat hangers. So for those of you that don't know, uh, the process of dowsing, it's like two L-shaped wires in your hands and then... Whatever you're thinking of <laughs> at the time, and you walk above it, they cross, and that's like where the thing is. And usually it's used for water, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, and that. Um, there's been a whole lot of like well organized academic studies on this, and it's not real. No, it doesn't do how, anything. It's how fake, would it be all real? fake, 100% fake. Well, it's like, it's like a, a, a Ouija board and a crystal ball. And Bigfoot and a chupacabra. It's all make-believe. Well, the quote I liked from the article was the guy using the rod said, rods are never wrong, but you never know how deep you have to dig. Which is the out. Yes. And the story from the author is he's digging and he doesn't find very much. Somebody else is digging and they find some pretty good stuff. The guy with the rod, the dousing rods comes over and he's like, find me a spot. And the guy's like, okay. And so he does. And he's like, here's the spot. And he like walks backwards and forwards over it. And he's like, yep, the rods are connecting right here. And right there is the spot where the whole of the people who had been finding really good stuff. And what do you know it? He digs in the hole where people have been finding good stuff and he finds some good stuff. I'm... I understand people's desire to, like, want something almost magical, like, in your hands. And we're lucky that nowadays we do have something magical that can be in your hands. It's called a cell phone. You have the entire collective knowledge of all of humanity accessible in your pocket. It's like science fiction. It's an amazing thing. It's amazing. Dowsing rods, your bent coat hangers, are not that. They're not, there's just no, they've been widely disproven. The author at the end was like, I don't think they really work, but I did find some pieces of petrified wood where the guy told me I would. It hurts. It hurts to think that I don't know. I just, I just, I, 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 I would consider myself a 
person of science and like things that like that if it was provable they would have proved it and nobody has managed to prove it there's been like some great tests done for like the location of gold the location of water where like you know they have 50 uh like containers and a gold nugget like a big gold nugget in it and it's in a tent and the, nobody can see and then the person places it leaves the entire site and then an observer watches where the dousing rods land and they have like pretty much a like a an amazing fail rate yeah right like it's guess it's just a random guessing it's too bad april fools just passed <sighs> we could go to saddle mountain Start dousing. It sounded like where they were, it was pretty much as easy picking as Saddle Mountain. Yeah, Saddle Mountain here in Washington State, it's like, you have to try to not find petrified wood. Like, What if Leica had the dousing rod? Oh, how? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know if she could hold two. Well, do you have any other thoughts on dousing? No. And with that... We are almost out of the 1970s, except, except we are going to be stepping away from Rock and Gem for the next podcast. We will be looking at one of their competitors, the Mineralogical Record. Is it a competitor if they advertise in Rock and Gem? Probably not. Probably not. Uh, We're going to be looking at the Mineralogical Record. Volume 5, number 4, from 19, July, August 1974, because they put out six a year. Uh, yeah, I was just going to, just an intro to Mineralogical Record. They actually advertised in Rock and Gem. And they call themselves a magazine strictly for mineral collectors. Packed with in-depth articles about minerals and mineral localities. Lavishly illustrated with fine photos, how-to articles, and more. And more. Which sounds similar to Rock and Gem, but judging from the covers and the few I've flipped through, I don't think that it's going to be similar. Well, I must say I'm a little biased. I love the mineralogical record. I love it. I love the old ones, the new ones, and the books and the supplements and their website and everything about them. (laughs) So, lot to look forward to on the next episode. And then right after that, we're moving into the 1980s. Next time. Next time. There's no words on the cover of the mineralogical record. It's just a picture. You'll have to find out next time.